There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown podcast all about Hitafi. Hosted by me, Hugh McTeer, and with several really interesting contributions coming up. Hitafi, the team from the south of Madrid, never get much attention, but they absolutely should. And we're dedicating this entire podcast to their recent rise. we record just after match day 22 of the 2019-20 season, Hitafi are in third place of La Liga. But not so long ago, they were at risk of slipping into the third division. On September 27th, 2016, they were second bottom of the second division. But then, coach Jose Bordlas arrived to turn it around. To tell this story, we really do need to go back to the start. We need to go back to the 2015-16 season, when they were relegated from Spain's top division. He was Paco Pollitt to tell this part of the story. After a few seasons of lackluster performances and with quite a few chunks of the fan base not terribly happy with the management, the 2015-2016 season was incredibly disappointing for Getafe, ending in unexpected relegation after finishing 19th in the table, with only Levante doing worse than the Azulones. With 36 points in 38 games, Getafe only managed to win 9 games, 6 of them at home, and received an outlandishly high number of 67 goals in their La Liga games. Even though Fran Escriba had signed for three seasons in summer 2015, he was sacked in April next year when the chances of salvation were slim to none. But Luis Eduardo Snyder wasn't able to save the team and they sealed their fate in May. Playing in segunda after 12 consecutive seasons was a big blow for them. Morale amongst the fans was in an all-time low and the fact that the season in segunda began with a bad string of results wasn't too compelling either. After the first seven games, Getafe had only picked up six out of the 21 points on the line. Those stats made the club's president, Ángel Torres, to down the axe once again and sack Snyder from his position in September 2016. 
the club were possibly at their lowest in the last two decades, second to last in the standings, with no positive signs in sight, and with so many questions regarding who should take over. Nobody knew at that point that the answer to all of their problems was to be found in a veteran manager who had spent most of the previous decade in several Alicante teams such as Hercules or Elche, and who had just managed to promote Deportivo Alaves to La Liga three months earlier. Of course, that manager Paco was talking about was Jose Bordalas. So, just who is Jose Bordalas? And what impact did he have when he took over at Hitafi? Here's Matt Clark to tell us. Jose Bordalas had been around the managerial block for over two decades before he took on the reins at Hetafe. As a player, injury cut short his career, but he had never played higher than the fourth tier. His early coaching jobs were all close to his home in a Valencian community, and he started at Alicante, his hometown club. Starting initially with the reserves, he quickly graduated to their first team and had no fewer than three separate spells managing them from the late 1990s to the early 2000s. In his best season there, 2004-5, he led them to their regional title, but missed out on promotion to the Segunda after losing in the playoffs, and he left midway through the following season. The reason for his departure was to have a go at managing in Segunda. Hercules prized him away from his roots, but things didn't quite work out, and he departed after only eight months in charge. After around a year away to reflect, Bordalas dropped back down to Segunda B, and again stayed in the Valencian community, taking over at Alcoyano. Promotion was on the agenda once again, and they came even closer. After winning the regional group, they agonisingly lost out on away goals in the 2009 playoffs. Keeping it local, Bordalas was again offered the chance to have a crack at the Segunda when Elche came calling after their winless start. They enjoyed a steady upturn in results under his leadership, to finish sixth, with a certain Jorge Molina finishing as top goalscorer for the season. The following season they were even better and made the playoffs, giving Bordalas the chance to jump up to the promised land of La Liga. For a third time, Bordalas missed out at the final hurdle, again losing on away goals. He must have been thinking he was cursed. Those levels could sadly not be sustained the following season and Bordalas was out of a job by April. In the summer of 2012, Bordalas made the move to Madrid. Alcorcón, who had defeated his Alcoyano side three years earlier, turned to him. They were steady all season and made the playoffs before the inevitable happened. Yet more playoff heartache, this time at the hands of Girona. They parted ways, but he was quickly asked to return in February 2014 when relegation looked possible. Bordalas showed his versatility and did enough to steady the ship and guided them to a mid-table finish. He stayed on for one more season, but there were no highs or lows as the club consolidated firmly in mid-table. In 2015, Alaves came calling because they liked what they had seen with his astute knowledge and durability in Segunda. It was a perfect match. Alaves won exactly half of their league games and hit the promotion places in early December and never fell out of them. They were promoted as champions. Bordalas had finally achieved it. After four crushing playoff defeats, he had finally sealed the deal. Bordalas was heading to La Liga. But it didn't quite work out that way. Without warning, Alaves said thanks but no thanks and parted company with him as they prepared for life in the top flight. Bordalas was deemed as perfect for the Segunda, but the club took the view that he lacked the tactical and aesthetical tools to cope with the perceived demands of the first division, which hindsight tells us was a big misjudgment. It must have come as a tough blow for Bordalas. Having finally been promoted, the chance to see it through was taken away. He didn't have to wait too long though as Hetafe came calling after a torrid start to their season. 
they faced the very real prospect of consecutive relegations and were second bottom after just seven matches. They needed a change quickly and Bordalas answered the call. Fans loved the appointment and posters bearing his face quickly went up around the suburb with a simple yet resonant message, take us to Primera. Bordalas quickly went about instilling his methods and trademarks onto a side which included Damian Suarez and Jorge Molina, two keystones in the team who remain fundamental to the Hetafe of today. Simplicity is the key to Bordalas's methods. With his rigid 4-4-2 system and emphasis on hard work, Hetafe soon saw their efforts rewarded with positive results. It's a relatively easy structure to follow but can be incredibly tough to play against when it is well executed. Absolutely crucial for Bordalas is the emphasis on collective responsibility and showing fight. For every ball, every set piece, every foot race. Physical, robust, in-your-face football. To work effectively, a system such as this requires total commitment from the players and therefore trust in the coach. If there isn't 100% buy-in, the system would fall apart. This speaks to Bordalas's personality and his man management skills to keep everyone singing from the same hymn sheet. Although for Hetafe, it is probably more like heavy metal. In an interview with Marca, Bordalas likened his approach to that of Jurgen Klopp. I identify a lot with it. The goal is to make your players better. Football is changing. It's more dynamic and demanding, he said. Bordalas's impact was immediate. Hetafe went unbeaten in his first six matches, conceding just two goals, which illustrates how he quickly tightened things up defensively. Over time, they became more effective going forward too and recorded more wins, including against Real Valladolid and away to Real Zaragoza. Their biggest win came in the penultimate game of the season, a 4-0 thrashing of Almeria. The fans were jubilant as Heta had confirmed a playoff spot. Despite his previous heartbreaks, Bordalas successfully navigated through the process. In the semis, a Jorge Molina brace, yes him again, put them 2-0 up at Huesca, although a late rally by the hosts kept the tie alive. Back at the Coliseum, there were no problems as Hetafe won 3-0 to reach the final. Tenerife stood in the way, and a narrow 1-0 defeat on the island must have brought back bad memories for Bordalas. But once again, the Coliseum was their fortress, and two early goals gave Hetafe the advantage. Tenerife did peg them back, but the eventual winner was scored by Daniel Pacheco before half-time. In the second half, Hetafe's steely defence stood firm and they were back. Hard work had paid off. As he told Marca, when life is not easy, you learn that with hard work, you can have anything. Bordalas had delivered and achieved what those posters had demanded. This time, he would be allowed the opportunity to take his side into La Liga. So Bordalas had already pulled off a miracle. When he arrived at Hetafe, they were just worried about relegation but he'd taken them to the playoffs and all the way back to Spanish football's top flight. But we know the story doesn't end there. After this short break, we'll be back to tell the rest of it. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to this podcast all about Jose Bordelas and Hitafe's recent rise. We heard in part one about how the team was taken back to the top division through the playoffs in the 2016-17 season. Now the main objective was for Hitafe to consolidate themselves in La Liga. Here's Roman de Arcaire to explain how they did so. At the beginning of the 2017-2018 season, many saw Getafe as an obvious candidate in the relegation battle. But the truth was they were far, very far from being right. Not only did they avoid the last positions, but they ended the league 8th in the standings with a tremendous 55 points, just one win away from the last European spot and 26 points from relegation. They managed 15 wins, 10 draws and 13 defeats, with a plus 9 goal difference as they netted 42 goals and conceded just 33. So only Barca and Atletico conceded less. I mean, that's mind-blowing for a team that had just ascended from Segunda División. Teams like Real Madrid, Sevilla, Villarreal or even Valencia had worse numbers. This was a clear result of Bordalas' work, and it certainly wasn't a lucky season as we would appreciate in the following years. He's always valued the importance of having a solid team with a particular focus in defending, but also capable of making the most of their chances in offense, whether it's through a counter-attack, a rehearsed set piece, or now and then, even a build-up play. And it all started with great planning for the summer transfer window, bringing in new talent for many positions, but especially in defence. Getafe signed or loaned in players such as Gené, Bruno González, Antunes or Cabrera, which proved to be a success. Although things didn't kick off immediately, with just three wins in the first 10 games, which was actually not bad for a recently promoted team who had already played against Barca, Madrid and Sevilla. Slowly but steadily, they were building a solid number of points until the final stretch of the season, in which they rose up in the standings with 5 wins in the last 7 games. 
they actually never conceded more than two goals in a match, with exception of their away game versus Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, where Los Blancos won 3-1 and Loic Remy got sent off right after the second half had started. Another outstanding stat that helps define why Getafe were so impressive. And it got even better in the 2018-2019 season, in which Getafe qualified for the Europa League after they improved their numbers with 15 wins, 14 draws and just 9 defeats after 38 games. Despite losing important players such as Vicente Huaita, Faisal Fajir or Meti Lazen, Getafe managed to complete a couple of key signings such as David Soria or Jaime Mata who would be crucial for Bordalas. Or even Fulquier, who would go on to admit during the season that Bordalas was the most demanding coach he's ever had in his career. So hard work paid off, and Getafe had a memorable season. As a matter of fact, they spent a long time in the Champions League positions, and were so close to making it. But towards the end, Getafe were beginning to struggle a bit, taking into account they didn't have the deepest of squads. Despite that, they fought till the end and had options to play in the world's biggest club competition right till the last match day. They faced Villarreal and needed Valencia to lose points, but unfortunately they didn't win and neither did Los Ches drop any points. They finished La Liga in the 5th position with 59 points, but despite getting their best result ever in the Spanish top tier with a Europa League spot included, it left them with a bittersweet taste because the Champions League had been so, so close and because they lost it to Valencia, with whom they developed a very tense relation during the year. Mainly thanks to that extremely heated game they both had in the Copa del Rey at Mestalla. Getafe had won the first match by 1-0 at home and started off incredibly well in the away game when Jorge Molina scored in the first minute. Valencia drew in the second half, but Getafe still had a favourable goal average. But everything went south for Los Azulones during added time. Rodrigo scored two quick goals in the 92nd and 93rd minute that ended Getafe's Copa del Rey run. But the worst was yet to come, when all the accumulated tension was released after the ref had blown the final whistle. Players and staff from both teams got involved in a massive fight. Insulting, pushing, shoving, neck grabbing and even some elbows were thrown between Getafe and Valencia. So just imagine why Getafe were annoyed when they finally had to finish the season behind Los Ches. They did finish behind Valencia in the standings and that was a bit of a blow considering Getafe had been inside the top four for 11 of the final 14 weeks of the season. They just weren't in those Champions League spots after the match day that mattered most the 38th one. But Europa League was still something really special. I went along to Hitafi's first Europa League game of the current season back in September when they hosted Trabzonspor of Turkey and won 1-0. It was a shame that UEFA scheduled this match for the 6.55 kickoff slot because it meant that not so many fans could attend. Just 5,800 were there to see Angel Rodriguez score the only goal of the game. Raul Garcia, waste no time in getting the cross in and there's a goal for Angel. What a wonderful cross from Raul Garcia. One touch, two touch, and then in. Quality delivery. Angel certainly onside, stolen behind Campi. And hits Hetafe in front. Excellent goal. Yet those who were in attendance were absolutely thrilled. Qualifying for Europe is like winning the Copa del Rey for us, one fan told me. Being in Europe really is something special for Hetafe. They developed the Euro Heta nickname in the past couple of times 
They qualified for Europe when they reached the quarterfinals of the 2007-2008 UEFA Cup and when they went out to Bayern Munich on away goals after extra time. Or when they made it to the 2010-11 Europa League where they went out in the groups. Outside the stadium, the Coliseum Alfonso Perez, there's a building that's the headquarters for the club's fan groups. And when you go inside, there's two really interesting things. There's a vending machine that sells nothing but cans of beer and there's all of this memorabilia from historic Hitafi moments from half-and-half half scarves to match-worn shirts, and almost all of this is to do with the European matches the club had played. Europe really is important to Itafi, and once they got into the Europa League group campaign and got better kickoff times, more fans were able to watch the team, and they attracted 6,200 and 9,400 for their next couple of home games as they progressed out of the group, meaning they'll now face Ajax in the round of 32. Now, Let's talk a bit more about Jose Bordelas and what exactly he's done to turn Hitafi into a force. We talk now to Fran Ibora, a Hitafi fan and the author of Hitafi Sueños de Primera, a book titled Hitafi Dreams of the First Division, if you translate it into English. Fran has been watching Hitafi throughout their rise under Bordelas, so here's Fran talking about the past three and a half years and what he's witnessed at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez. Well, at first, I have to say that I uh, have to come back to the first three games of Bordalas uh, in the bench of Getafe. And what was really unbelievable that the first three games were, were with uh, three clean seats. And well, uh, after that, um, Bordalas uh, changed the mentality, changed the identity, changed the and uh, a lot of things at uh, Getafe and change uh, the city too. Not only the the changing rooms, not only the captains, not only the players or the tactics, uh, even the the city, even the supporters, even me. So uh, we don't have identity um, before Bordalas at Getafe. We don't have. We, we don't know if we play, if we want the ball, if we want the possession, if we want uh, short passes, or we want to play with long passes and gain uh, aerial duels or whatever. We don't know uh, whatever we want. But now with uh, Bordalas from the first day with a nil nil and with three clean seats in a row. Uh, we know that our mentality, our identity changes, changed after um, two years uh, with the with the team uh, at the lowest positions in the in La Liga, and well, was unbelievable. Of course, he deserves uh, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of joy. He deserves a lot of uh, beautiful things that not always we we can read. On the newspapers, or we can hear or listen to at the at the radio. Usually, the the, the teams that play like uh, Getafe of um, Jose Bordalas uh, don't like in in Spain because um, the teams uh, here in Spain used to to take the ball, pass the ball, like Barça, like uh, Real Betis, or whatever. But uh, it's very difficult. I think it's more difficult for for a for a team to play like uh, Getafe do uh, without the ball, but uh, attacking um, in every moment that um, that we can. We cross the line, cross the 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 half line, and and attack the other team at the at their own at their own pitch. 
we are the second team in la liga uh, with mm, more time on the other at the other half of the of the of the ground and where well, i think uh, is unbelievable Thank you, Fran, for that summary. I absolutely agree that Bordelas deserves more praise in the media and in general, and more respect as well. There's this perception of Atafi as being a dirty team or an anti-football team, but that's not really true when you look at it. They can play some nice football. If they were playing the exact same style of football but wearing Sevilla colours or Villarreal colours, then I think everyone would be using adjectives like intensity and dynamism to describe it. But because it's Atafi, because it's a recently promoted team, because it's a club with a history of some unattractive football, we get adjectives like rough and stingy. And this actually does annoy Bordelas. He doesn't like the stereotypes associated with his team. And he's not been afraid to speak up about this, getting himself into a few conflicts along the way. To discuss these, here's Sam Leverage. Even before joining Hitafe, it was clear that Jose Bordelas had quite a temper. When he was Alaves manager, he famously punched the door in the press room at Real Zaragoza. He was furious after a journalist asked him about his team's defeat and he said, do you know what football is or shall I explain it to you? Smashing a hole in the door on his way out of the press room as he stormed out. When he moved to Atafe, he's shown signs of that again, but he was quite a calm character in his first few months at the club. And it wasn't really in twenty. 20- till April 2018 when we saw his first bout of anger in La Liga. It was after a game against Celta Vigo where he was accused of wasting time and his team being experts in time wasting. He responded, I'm not going to answer you. Show me a bit of respect, please, to the journalist. After that, things began to heat up and he began to have more and more touchline battles, particularly with Valencia manager Marcelino. He refused to shake his hand in 2018-19. He claimed it was because the Valencia manager was late coming out of the tunnel, but the Valencia boss clearly felt that Bordelas had refused the handshake entirely. When asked about that relationship and this new modern rivalry between the two clubs, Bordelas said, it's not just me, look at what Jurgen Klopp said as well after the Liverpool boss said that he wouldn't want to be him for even a second of his life after their Europa League clash with Villarreal in 2016. Again, later in 2018, in December, Bordelas banned the press from taking part in the training sessions at the club's training ground and attending and reporting on that. He claimed that it was to stop them from leaking team news and tactics to opposition teams and to the general public. But this year, it has been a case of more controversy with Bordelas' behaviour, both in the press room and on the touchline. The most famous case coming against Osasuna in November, when Jagoba Arasate, the Osasuna boss, spoke before the match about how Hetafe work hard to reduce uh, the threat of other teams and they really grind results out. It was clear that Bordelas didn't take it well. And while it was quite cordial throughout the match and there was no sign of any anger or discontent, after the match, Bordelas erupted. It was a nil-nil draw and Bordelas couldn't hide his anger. He said that Arasate hides his misery behind Tatafe. And he said, whoever does that has some cheek. He came for a draw and it's shameless to accuse us of doing that and then to do it themselves. He's certainly a character, whether it's to do with his tactics or his behaviour off the field. And I wouldn't change him for a second. Jose Bordelas is Jose Bordelas. He is what he is. And what he is, is a coach who's taken a team that was second bottom of the second division and brought them into the Europa League knockout stages and into a position where they're now a genuine challenger for a Champions League spot. Hitafi are a force. There are other things that go into it, like smart recruitment and even the fact that Hitafi were the first club in Europe 
to use the Zone 7 injury prevention technology, something that's really worked and kept the squad generally healthy. But there's no doubt about it. Jose Bardalas is the main reason for Hitafi's rise. Let's see how far they can go. That does bring us to the end of our podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And my thanks go out to Paco Pollitt, Matt Clark, Roman de Arcaire, Fran Ibora, and Sam Leverage for their contributions. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and thanks a lot for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.